0: Tonight, I um, wanted to talk about Chomsky's testimony that he had to send in as a written testimony to the Julian Assange trial. A couple of episodes ago, Joe Emmersberger and I talked about the Assange trial a little bit, as well as the Steve Dondiger, uh trial that's going on. We were kind of talking about the injustices of... Um, the legal regime in the West, the so-called rule of law. And uh, the Assange trial really exposes that because it's a real travesty of justice that's unfolding where, um, you know, the defense, I kind of said this in the discussion with Joe, but the defense is presenting all this, these mountains of evidence about how this is basically a straightforward political persecution of a journalist for doing journalism. And, uh, it's very clear that the judge (laughs) has already decided there's a gazillion conflicts of interest, uh, in this case, uh, on the part of the judge in the first place. And, uh, I mean, it's just a farce. Like nobody thinks, I don't know if nobody thinks, but I certainly don't think that, uh, the all of these things that are going on even though the defense has to do their best and everybody has to campaign i, I really don't believe that the um uk court is gonna give any justice to assange i think they're going to they, they've pretty much already decided what they're gonna do and this is all just performance um It is interesting. I do say this on a day that apparently an appeals court overturned the decision uh, to uphold the Bank of England's theft of a billion plus uh, dollars or pounds in uh, Venezuelan gold that the Bank of England decided to steal from the people of Venezuela that was deposited in the Bank of England. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that decision will also be reversed. Uh, Time will tell but i wanted to talk about chomsky uh, because it's just amazing there's this uh, writer in the uk who was in the public gallery he calls him he he calls his blog about it the your man in the public gallery his name's craig murray he's a former ambassador of the uk um, you can check him out craigmurray.org.uk and he first of all uh, so i'm going off of his blog where he actually posted Chomsky's written testimony, the whole thing. So you can read it. I'm going to go over it here. Cause it's just, I just, you know, wanted to talk about it in some venue, some form. Um, so Craig Murray talks about how um, the, they're kind of just got to the point where they're just reading the testimony into the record. They're just shuffling papers. There's no uh, examination of witnesses anymore. Um, and he says, for example, Patrick Coburn, a journalist on Iraq, Andy Worthington on Afghanistan, he says, Craig Murray says, I should love at least to have seen both of them in the witness box, explaining what to them were the salient points. Instead, we got perhaps a sixth of their words read rapidly into the court record, um, some of the evidence is being edited to remove elements which the US government wishes to challenge just to get the gist read out in court. Um, he says, uh, so quoting Craig Murray, cause this is a really important point. Um, it's no longer a hearing at all. He says, you cannot hear a judge reading. Now I'm quoting, it is an acknowledged, indeed embraced legal trend in the UK that the courts are increasingly paper exercises as noted by the Supreme Court. So now he's quoting the Supreme Court. In the past, the general practice was that all argument and evidence was placed before the court orally and documents were read out, Lady Hale said. She added the modern practice is quite different. Much more of the argument and evidence is reduced into writing before the hearing takes place. Often documents are not read out. It is difficult, in, if not impossible in many cases, especially complicated civil cases, to know what is going on unless you have access to the written material. Um, I just read an the Roy article um, about these kind of cooked up cases, speaking of travesties of of law and justice uh, against um basically the victims of the delhi uh, pogrom that happened uh just before covid hit so um and it's basically trying to argue that the victims of this you know activists and from the muslim uh, activists against the caa the citizenship amendment act in india were uh, Responsible for their own, uh, for their own victimization by police and and mobs, vigilantes, and it's interesting too because one of the things Adam Roy says is that the police claim to have a million pages of evidence against one of these activists, and meanwhile could simultaneously not even account for the whereabouts of ten million people who were uh, locked out of. Uh, and had to walk home during the emergency lockdown that was imposed. So this is something about how states and the rule of law works. Um, but back to Murray. So Murray, <laughs> he says, I, and I think this is so true. I, I really identified with this. He says, those who have followed these reports will understand how frustrating it was to be deprived of James Lewis. That's the prosecutor, the American prosecutor arguing that Assange should be extradited to the U.S. to face treason charges. To be deprived of James Lewis asking Noam Chomsky how he can venture an opinion on whether this extradition is politically motivated or whether he has ever published any peer-reviewed articles. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going to now talk about this, um, Assange, I mean, about Chomsky's statement. So Chomsky does, he, he has, he provides this expert report, um, expert report of Professor Noam Chomsky. So he describes his current position at the University of Arizona, uh, joined the staff of MIT in 1955, 1961, appointed full professor, honorary degrees from a gazillion universities, fellow at the National Academy of Science, all his awards. Lectured widely on these things, uh, his books list of his list of his books include, and then this massive list of books, um, and then here now we get into it under point six. Uh, he says, "I have been asked whether Julian Assange's work and actions can be considered as political." a question I am informed is of significance to the extradition request to the United, by the United States for Mr. Assange to be tried for espionage for having played a part in the publication of information that the United States government did not wish to be publicly known. So <laughs> he starts by quoting Samuel Huntington, uh, and he says, uh Huntington he quotes Huntington saying the architects of power in the United States must create a force that can be felt but not seen power remains strong when it remains in the dark exposed to the sunlight it begins to evaporate um and then he says Julian Assange's actions which have been categorized as criminal are actions that expose power to sunlight actions that may cause power to evaporate if the population grasps the opportunity to become independent citizens of a free society rather than subjects of a master who operates in secret. That is a choice, and it's long been understood that the public can cause power to evaporate. Um, And then he quotes David Hume. (laughs) One (laughs) leading thinker who understood and explained this critical fact was David Hume, writing on the first principles of government in one of the first modern works of political theory over 250 years ago. His formulation was so clear and pertinent that I'll simply quote it. Hume found, now, he, now this is Chom, me quoting Chomsky, quoting Hume. Nothing more surprising than to see the easiness with which the many are governed by the few and to observe the implicit submission with which men resign their own sentiments and passions to those of their rulers. When we acquire when we inquire by what means this wonder is brought about, we shall find that as force is always on the side of the governed, the governors have nothing to support them but opinion. It is therefore an opinion only that government is founded, and this maxim extends to the most despotic and most military governments, as well as to the most free and the most popular. Now Chomsky commenting on Hume, he says, actually Hume underestimates the efficacy of violence, but his words are particularly appropriate to societies where popular struggle over many years has won a considerable degree of freedom. Uh, And then he talks about the U.S. and Britain um, as such societies, which I don't entirely agree with. I don't agree with that kind of concept of Chomsky's that they've won more. There's more freedoms in the U.S. because struggles have won them. I don't quite think that's right. I think that there have been struggles in many societies uh, comparable to the struggles in the U.S. and Britain that are more free for other reasons, kind of compromises between the ruling class and the masses over, um, the spoils of imperialism and, um, yeah, main to do with those kinds of compromises that have happened. And there's a lot of unfreedom within those societies for specific, um, you know, working class and racial racialized, uh, groups in those societies. So I don't, I don't quite endorse that, um, Element of Chomsky's analysis, but I gotta say it's pretty cool to uh, to have uh, you know David Hume and uh, Samuel Huntington being quoted in a, in a report, an expert report on um, you know why Julian Assange shouldn't be extradited for the defense. Um, so he says. In such societies, such as ours, of course, power really is on the side of the governed, and the governors have nothing to support them but opinion. This is one reason why the huge public relations industry is the most immense propaganda agency in human history, a reach that's developed and reached its most sophisticated forms in the most free societies. Again, I don't agree quite that the most free societies are the US and Britain, but let's leave that. The institution of public relations arose about a century ago when elites came to understand that too much freedom had been won for the public to be controlled by force, so it would be necessary to control attitudes and opinions. Liberal intellectual elites understood that as well, which is why they urged to give a few quotes that we must discard democratic dogmatisms about people being the best judges of their own interests. They are not. They are quote on ignorant and meddlesome outsiders, unquote, and therefore must be, quote, put in their place, unquote, so as to not disturb the responsible men who rule by right. Um, Then classification. Point number 12 is about the purpose of classification. Classification. Where Chomsky says, uh, among other things, anyone who has poured over the archives of released documents will surely come to realize pretty quickly that what is kept secret very rarely has anything to do at all with security, except for the security of the leadership from their domestic enemy, their own population. Uh, (laughs) And then he talks about trade agreements and the secrecy of trade agreements. And then he concludes as follows, point number 13. Julian Assange's alleged crime in working to expose government secrets is to violate the fundamental principles of government to lift the veil of secrecy that protects power from scrutiny and keeps it from evaporating. And again, it is well understood by the powerful that lifting the veil may cause power to evaporate. It may even lead to authentic freedom and democracy if an aroused public comes to understand that force is on the side of the governed and that it can be their force if they choose to control their own fate. In my view, point 14, Julian Assange and courageously upholding political beliefs that most of us profess to share has performed enormous service to all the people in the world who treasure the values of freedom and democracy and who therefore demand the right to know what their elected representatives are doing. His actions in turn have led him to be pursued in a cruel and intolerable manner. So I, I just thought that was, I mean... The trial is an enormous, incredible um, (sighs) political education encapsulated in this moment. And there's so much to be learned about how the world really works, how the empire really works by watching the Assange trial. But then just this statement by Chomsky, this couple of pages, three, four pages, really, it's like two pages of analysis, one and a half. It's such a succinct analysis of how propaganda works and why it works and why it's so important to elites. And then therefore, what why they have to why they have decided that they have to crush Assange in this absolutely you know, arraying the entire world against this this website and this journalist and this publisher. Um that I just yeah, I just had to I just had to talk about it. Um I just had to talk about it to you guys. <laughs> so um that's it for now. Uh you know, Civilizations twenty, we're gonna we're working on the India rebellion of eighteen fifty seven, the revolution the War of Independence of 1857, sometimes called the Mutiny. And there's other episodes coming that I'm working on. But um, yeah, you know, if you get a chance to, to check out Craig Murray's reports or Kevin Gostola's reports, just, you know, spending time to look up and study the Assange trial from these independent sources. Again, Kevin, uh, Gusto, Gustoza, um, Craig Murray, Uh, a few others, um, that are writing there. There are a few others that are writing about it as well, but it's really, um, it's really important. And and whatever campaigns, whatever the efforts are that to try to, you know, fight for Assange's freedom are so important for anyone concerned with any of these things, whether you're anti-war, uh, or just a journalist with integrity who believes in the, you know, those principles of journalism, the freedom of information, freedom of the press, right? There's It's supposed to be a liberal cause. Journalists are supposed to be all over this, but of course they're not. Oh, and yeah, Jonathan Cook, another person working in that kind of Tromsky tradition uh, who has been following this and kind of giving you a more deep um, analysis of what's what's going on and why especially journalists in the UK, have been so dreadful on this. All right, that's it. That's it for tonight. No, from me again,